Welcome back to Third Hand. It's me. It's Toby. Sorry for no review on the last one. Your boy got caught up with a bunch of things. But we're here nonetheless. And Toby, I think we got a fun episode today. There's no fights this weekend. That means it's time for us to do some uh, some things off the beaten path of Third Hands. Yeah, I think it should be a fun episode. I won't reveal exactly what we're doing. I'll let you do that. But I will say there are actually there are some cool fights, non-UFC fights. There's a one card, uh, I believe today actually, or maybe Saturday. But there's also a PFL this weekend, I believe. So there's some cool cards out there. Yeah, there's some cool cards out there. Um, but what we're doing today, guys, is Toby and I have made the first ever Throwing Hands Pound for Pound rankings. Uh, I can't believe we haven't done this before. And I think we I could see this being a twice-yearly thing for sure. Um, but this is the first time we're doing it, and it's late September, and I'm sure we'll do it at the end of the year. But anyway, so let's get into this real quick. I have a... A word doc uh, with some names covered up. Oh, that's the wrong one. That's weird. <laughs> um, anyway, it, it didn't show. It's nothing. It's just homework. Um, that's good, at least. Uh, where? Oh, here we are. Here, here we, we are. are. Here's the pound for pound rankings. So nice. We have a few. We have a few honorable mentions. Davis and Figueredo. I think I messed that up, but shout Davis it's, and Figueredo. It's reasonably close. Yeah, we Toby and I literally uh, we literally put Drakus down and then we started recording, so we didn't really proofread any of this. But Figueredo, Brandon Moreno, Colby Covington, Justin Gaethje, and Drakus Duplessis. Um, <laughs> and yes, uh, let's start with Drakus because low key, I think this could be the order. Um, but switch Moreno and Figueredo. As much as I hate to say it, he beat a man who's in the pound for pound rankings for um over half a decade, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to Drakus for, you know, pulling off what he did uh against Robert Whitaker back in July. Yeah, I'm not a huge Drakus fan either, but the more that he's around, the more I do gain uh, begrudging appreciation for his style. I mean, somehow begrudging appreciation. <laughs> you know, he he's able to pull it off somehow. I mean, he's sloppy. His technique is not great, but man, I mean, that guy. He's got cardio for days. He's got power. He knows how to find your chin. And Rob Whitaker is not an easy guy to put out. He's fought very powerful fighters before, and he's been hurt badly. And the thing with Rob, too, is there are a lot of guys out there who uh, can get hurt, right? And Rob has been hurt before, but there aren't many guys that can fight when they're hurt like Whitaker can. If you ever watch the uh, second Yoel Romero fight, I mean, Rob Whitaker was hurt so bad, and he just survived and survived and survived. And for Drakus to go in there and just put him away like that, break yeah. him down and beat him up, you know, when Rob was just covering up, he's just pounding on him. I think that definitely deserves an honorable honorable mention. Not not to mention, too, Drakus is on, like, a six-fight win streak, and 
good you know he deserves it's a not, title shot it's opinion, not an easy so. thing to do when it comes to being in the ufc a six fight win streak in the ufc regardless of what level you're at that's a tough thing to do yeah yeah um next up justin gaethje um yeah i mean he proved he still got against Poirier with that head kick um as much as i love dustin he's one of my favorite fighters i can't stand when people dog on him oh he's, he's a fake nice guy no he's a real nice guy he, he that shows he can be mean um but you know gaethje can crack man um and I think after uh, Mahachev and uh, Oliveira, he's getting the next title shot. Yeah. Um, and I, I hope Gaethje wins because I think they'll make Poirier Gaethje three no matter what. Um, and, you know, doesn't get his real belt. <laughs> yeah. That's my hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be fun, man. I Are there people really saying that Dustin is like a fake nice guy? That is so weird. Yeah, like, like my, my thing is like, he he is a nice guy but you know he's a genuine person he's not going to put on like a mask and be nice all the time yeah he has human emotions you know it goes through ups and downs of course but yeah no he's definitely a good guy i mean he you know it's look at his uh, charitable work for you know what he does uh, for his city back in lafayette louisiana but yeah man i think i think gaethje is well deserved uh as an honorable mention because i thought you know, I didn't think he was falling off by any means. I just thought that there were some new guys that were coming up in the division that might give him some problems. I thought maybe his skill set was a little bit limited. And then you see this Fazeev fight, and it's like, oh, man, this guy's definitely still got it. You know, he's banging out here with one of the best strikers in the UFC, going to war with him and winning. And then he goes out there and flatlines Dustin Poirier, who I absolutely love Dustin Poirier. I thought Poirier was had better skills. I thought... He had a you know great chin. I thought he was just better everywhere. And yeah. that's no disrespect to Gaethje. I just love Dustin Poirier and his skill set. And then he went out there and starched him. So these last two fights for me have been very impressive from Justin Gaethje. Yes. And like you mentioned, I don't think he needs to do anything else. I think if you're Justin Gaethje, you wait, you recover, and you, you know, you wait for your title shot. Don't go into another fight, you know, don't take on like a Gamrot or a Darius or whatever, just wait because yeah. you're on a two fight win streak over two absolute killers. Yeah. That's enough. In my opinion. Uh, speaking of physique, man, prayers up to that dude. Um, Torres yeah. ACL in the Gamrot fight. Very um, rough. It was looking to be a great scrap too. Um, but, and for people saying, Oh, that shouldn't count for winning for Gamrot. If that was a street fight, Gamrot would have won that street fight. So therefore Gamrot wins and Gamrot didn't want it to end that way. I'm sure. But you know, yeah. they're both great fighters. Um, but yeah, Gaethje Savage. All right, next one. Uh Kobe Covington. Here's my thing with Kobe Covington. If he had stayed active, he'd be like 15, 14 in the pound for pound, in my opinion. But he hasn't done so, and therefore he's dropped. Uh to to an honorable mention. But the thing with Kobe Covington is his only loss is to Kamar Usman. And you can argue he won the second fight. I thought he did, but I'm not going to argue with you if you say he didn't because it was that close of a fight. Great fight. Um, but this dude has cardio for days. You know, I forget who mentioned it, but his striking isn't the greatest, but he's going to hit you with three, four, five shots, and you're not going to be able to get one off on him because he just pressures relentlessly. I'm very intrigued for this fight in December with uh, Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. Um, Colby Covington taking over a year and a half off. Um there's a lot of factors going in this that fight, and if Colby Covington, you know, 
as much as that dude trains, I don't see the ring rust coming. I don't know. The Kobe train might be coming through uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, man. Kobe's definitely, you know, you got to put him up there. Got to give him some credit. Um, Usman's been in the pound for pound rankings for a very long time now. And he went toe to toe with Usman multiple times, arguably beat Usman in the second fight because yes, he got dropped a couple of times. He had a bad second round, but he had a very good uh, third, fourth and fifth round. So you can make a good argument. Yeah, you can make an argument that at the very least it could have been a draw, I would say. I thought it should have been a draw, in my honest opinion, or Colby should have won. I mean, it was a very close fight. Even in the first fight, Matt, I know, like, you know, he got finished. Yes, I I agree with that. But the stoppage, a little questionable, let's be honest. You know, back of the head shots, uh, he was covering up, and Uzmi was just hitting him to the back of the head. Come on, Mark Goddard, what are you doing? But yeah. I mean, we're not knocking Mark Goddard. He's the best in the game. No, no. Yeah, he, he's one of the best in the game, but that was not his best stop. But anyway, it was a close fight. I mean, that was two to two, most likely in that fifth round. And Usman was taken over. So he would have won that fight by decision, most likely. But Colby, you know, he's just gone toe to toe with some of the best guys out there. His win streak, even before that, is super impressive. You know, not a lot of finishes on there, but beating guys like Robbie Lawler, Rafael Dos Anjos, all in succession like that is super impressive. And it is, like you said, the only reason he's not higher is because he fought once in 2020, once in 2021, and once in 2022, and he has not fought in 2023. So three times in the last three years, this guy's fought. And um, yeah, that's just not enough. I mean, it's just been so long since the uh, Masvidal fight. I was looking back, trying to think like, man, when was the last time Colby fought and it was the Jorge Masvidal card which is like UFC 272 I mean it's it's been quite a while so it's been quite a while um uh, let's talk about these two together uh Davis Figueredo and Brandon Moreno um I am excited for Davis and Figueredo I think he's right fighting uh Rob Font for great his fight. Bantamweight debut great which fight. is great I think Tough he can matchup. be a killer I think he could be a killer at Bantamweight um yeah, we'll see how the size plays though, because Rob Font is a pretty tall guy compared but to uh, a Figueroa was a massive flyweight. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for that fight, man. Um, you know, Figueroa. I think when it comes to to the nitty gritty of it, I think he'll go down as a better flyweight than Brandon Moreno, because he actually defended his title. Brandon Moreno never defended his title. He's like the Carlos Sparza of uh, men's flyweight. Um. But oh, Carlos Sparza, congrats on the kid. Um, that's a, that's a great thing. Uh, but these two are both absolute dogs in the cage, man. They can finish you any way they want, and they're both fun as hell to watch. Um, they're they're so, you, you take it away from me. They're both good. Yeah, I think we included them both together just because they're so evenly matched. They're both incredible fighters, former champions, in a very, very good division, a very underrated and good division in uh, flyweight. Like you mentioned, you know, Figueredo might have a slight advantage uh, when it comes to Moreno, just on his legacy, because Figueredo is a bit uh, more unscathed, and also he did defend his title. And something that's actually really interesting about uh, Figueredo that a lot of people forget is that he fought... Alex Perez, right, defended his title at UFC 255, and then literally like three weeks later fought Moreno at 256. So I don't know why he I, – I can't remember the exact circumstances of like why he did that. I remember because but... Moreno beat uh, Roy Val in the first round because of the injury, 
and they so they both came out unscathed and they're like let's do another title shot three weeks later yeah see i think i don't think that was a great idea for either guy because you can say like well i didn't get hurt and i feel fine but that weight cut man that takes a long time that takes a lot out of your body and you should have 25 down to 20 yeah figueredo is huge i mean we know that this guy has had some issues on the scale before because he is a massive massive uh flyweight so i just don't think that was a great idea but in, anyway that's kind of off topic i mean both these guys incredible fighters each one of their fights all four of them have been some of the best fights you will ever see especially the first one i just remember watching that first one where it went to a draw i watched it with my dad at home just like oh my god this is incredible great fight it is a beautiful fight. I, I got to see Figueredo where he should have won the belt uh, live, you know, in Norfolk, Virginia, where he beat, destroyed uh, <laughs> Joseph Benavidez. But he missed weight for that fight. So I did not see him get the belt wrapped around his waist. That was but, an egregious beat down. Oh, yeah, it's not, horrible. Why'd they make that fight? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I said 2020, but yeah. like that was pretty bad. And then they ran it back in July yeah, of the same thing. Yeah, it was I mean, even worse. For some reason, they decided to run that fight back. They're like, yeah, we haven't seen Benavidez get beat up enough. So we're going to, I mean, I, I don't know. But yeah, both these guys are incredible. Both these guys could be champion again at some point. You know, Figueredo could probably win a belt at uh, Bantamweight, uh, given some good circumstances. And Moreno could come back and win the flyweight belt if he makes some improvements. So yeah, fun division. I, I, here's my thing the bottom of it is not great, but if you get like, up to seven eight stacked stacked yeah. stacked stacked and you got some good guys there too like you know steve ursaid coming in um dos santos who just fought manel cop coming in lots of young talent coming into that well ursaid's like 30 but lots of new talent coming into that division yeah makaya makaya is down there all right let's get into the top 15 y'all jamal hill i think that's i'm 95 sure that's how you spell his name um, but no disrespect to this, but no disrespect to this dude. I I think he is a worthy, uh, light heavyweight champion. The way the clinic he put on against Glover Teixeira, amazing. He set the record for the most significant strike set in a light heavyweight bout, beating Marvin Vittori when he fought Paulo Costa. Oh, Marvin Vittori, Paulo Costa, great fight. Go watch that. Um, he, I, I want to see him get challenged on the ground. Um, but if he lands, you you got to start rethinking some things in your game plan because he will put you out. Um, is his nickname Lights Out? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we saw what he did to Johnny Walker when Johnny Walker went whoa <laughs> and went back into the cage. The, the goofiest knockout in UFC history. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, you know, since he's injured, I think 15 is a perfect spot for him. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Jamal Hill, I keep, I don't know why I keep thinking this, but I keep thinking that Jamal Hill lost recently for some reason, which is his last loss is like three years ago. So he's on a great win streak. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, someone tested him on the ground. I mean, the last time he did get tested on the ground, his arm was flopping around and he was getting elbowed in the face. So he, I'm sure. He's made improvements to his ground game since then. And Paul Craig obviously is one of the best jujitsu players in all of MMA. So there's no no shame in that. And after that fight, he came out and he's been guns blazing ever since. I mean, 
his performances against Jamal Hill, against um, Thiago Santos, not an incredible performance. That was kind of a sloppy fight, but he finished it nonetheless. So uh, when he fought OSP, destroyed him. I mean, he's got a, a lot of good finishes. I don't even know how many times he's gone to decision outside of the Glover fight in the UFC. Not many times. Uh, he finishes most of his fights. And in the Glover fight, honestly, it could have been stopped at several different points because he was dominating Glover. That was like a clear 50-44, 50-43 type situation. Just put an absolute beating on him. His striking is so smooth. Like I, I love to watch Jamal Hill just flow on the feet. The only thing I will say is that Jamal Hill is sort of like Patty in that he gets a little heavy outside of fight camp. And I would like him to, you know, keep track of his weight a little bit more because even in his fights, you see him and he comes in with like sort of a little gut. It's like, man, just uh, hit the gym a little bit more. Do you're yeah. so talented. And, so, I mean, uh, Prohaska, I think it was Prohaska that said something like, you know, the, the weight gain probably contributed to his injury. Yeah, um, probably. Honestly, Jamal Hill could be a middleweight. Yeah, he could probably cut down. Um, but Jamal Hill, great fighter. I'm not taking it. We're not taking anything away from him by saying this about him. We just want to see him live up to his full potential. All right. Yes. Number 14. What do we do here? Max Holloway. Um, yes, the Bless Express can only be stopped by the Volk train. Um, I mean, what he did to zombie criminal. Uh, all the matchmakers at the UFC should be tried uh, because that fight never should have happened. Um, but, you know, they both wanted it. You got to give it to the people, too. Um, but what he did to Arnold Allen, masterclass. Yair, masterclass. Uh, Calvin Cater, maybe the best performance ever in an octagon um, that I've seen with my two eyes. The only person this dude can't beat is uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. And I think the only way I see Max Holloway getting a title shot at Featherweight is if Toporia beats Volkanovski. Volk wants to come back January. Let's just say they're going to fight in January. If Toporia beats Volk, then Holloway gets the title shot. Um, just give or Volk gets the rematch. Then yeah, Holloway Volk gets definitely. The title shot. Yeah, he definitely. Yeah, gets he deserves rematch. every rematch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I mean, but there's nothing for me that says, oh, he doesn't deserve to be in the pound for pound rankings because he's beaten everybody but the champ dominantly. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you look, Max Holloway's won four out of his last five fights, beating all contenders. The only guy that he's lost to is Volkanovski. And the two before that is, you know, two losses to Volkanovski as well. So, yeah, man, I mean, he is an incredible fighter. We know how talented and tough uh, Max Holloway is. We know that he can beat everybody that is not named Alexander and Dustin Poirier as well. But that was moving up in weight, and it was like kind of a late replacement fight. But, you know... Man, I, I don't know. It's um, I, I would love to put Max Holloway higher, but when you lose to a guy three times in your own division, it's really hard to become champion again. You know, it's it's very hard to make that argument of like, like oh, I should get a fourth fight, even though I've lost the first three to this guy. Because if you're Volkanovski, it's like, what do I have to prove? I mean, the first fight, everybody's, you know, a lot of people, not everybody, but many people were saying like, well, I think Max won that or uh. Sorry, the second fight. The first fight I thought was pretty clear Volkanovski won. But the second fight, a lot of people were saying that Max won, this and that. I thought Volk won that one as well. The third fight, he comes out there, no question, destroys him, dominates him. Easy 50-45 for Volkanovski. So if you're him, like, what do you have to prove? But this takes nothing away from Max Holloway. You know, he deserves to be in the pound-for-pound -pound ranking. He's been there for a very long time. He's not champion right now. I'll, you know, we'll say that. But 
he if Volkanovski didn't exist, he would have like nine title defenses yeah, right now. So he would, you know. So he definitely deserves. He's an incredible fighter, like you mentioned. The Calvin Cater performance is definitely, I think, unquestionably, it's the best performance that's ever been put on inside a UFC octagon. When you land over four hundred significant strikes on someone, I mean, what can you say? Like, what more do you need to say? You I know, think he it was had four fifty three or something. It was yeah, like he had him hurt multiple times. Just do- I mean. I could have been stopped multiple times. Yeah, easily could have been stopped several times. Um, all right, number 13, Alex Pereira. Um, you know, former middleweight champ, knocked out Izzy. Then he got knocked out by Izzy. Came back a few months later, uh, beat uh Jan Blahovich by decision. Um the dude's a savage. Um I I'm so interested for this Prohaska fight. I mean, this is what you not. I mean, this is the most primal fight in UFC history. Let's be honest here. Um, but it's just the way this dude's moved up through the rankings. Um, I know he got pushed up to the middleweight title. I think there are people at middleweight that could beat him, um, that can wrestle. But I mean, the dude just has that one hitter quitter power, man, and he's te- he's technical with it. So yeah, I, I think thirteen's a solid place for Pereira, and we'll see how. It go see how high he goes if he beats Yuri in November. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, you make a good point. He he did get pushed to a title shot pretty quickly. He didn't fight anybody that really could present him problems on the ground. You know, Sean Strickland. I mean, Sean Strickland could have if he actually decided to wrestle, but he did not. Uh, <laughs> but like you know, Sean Bruno Strickland. Silva. <laughs> but like Bruno Silva, of course, isn't really a, much of a threat when it comes to wrestling per se. But yeah, man, you know, knocking out uh, Adesanya, you know, in the way that he did it in the fifth round after losing most of that fight and then getting knocked out himself and then coming back and moving up a weight class and beating a killer like Jan Blahovich. I mean, you got to give this man his flowers. You know, yes, we don't know how great his takedown defense is. And we see in the um, Jan Blahovich fight, I mean, he can get taken down. You know, Jan is a great wrestler. And Pereira did defend a decent amount of takedowns, but Jan did get a pretty significant amount. I can't remember the exact, but a pretty significant amount of control time in that fight. So he can get taken down. He can get controlled, but he can also win fights even with that, you know? So he's, he's one of the best strikers in the whole UFC. And I think that alone, you know, his striking prowess alone deserves a pretty high ranking uh, in the pound for pound. And also just being a former champion and potential uh, future champion in a different weight class. Although that take, I know a lot of people are on Pereira, man. I'm on Yuri in that fight. Yeah, we'll get to Yuri in just a moment, but we'll see who's here. I forget who we put here. Ah, Aljamain. Aljamain. Um I I am I have mixed opinions about him. Uh, won an Oscar and a title on the same night. Uh, I mean, not not many people can do that, man. Uh, but in all seriousness, this dude is a savage. Um, he 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 proved himself to be a legit champ. You know, being Cejudo, beating Dil- uh, a one-armed Dillashaw, um, and beating Piotr Jan, which I thought Piotr Jan won that fight. To be honest, I, I cry every time I think about Piotr Jan's downfall, but. It's a worthy 12 spot, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I think I think regardless of one's feelings about Aljamain Sterling, I think his resume just speaks for itself. You know, this guy, before O'Malley beat him, he was on a nine-fight win streak. I think a lot of people 
kind of overlook that because they just don't like Aljamain. They don't like his style. But look, man, when you beat nine straight guys in the UFC, regardless of whether it's a finish, um, a decision, it doesn't matter. I mean, that is incredible. You know, the guys that he beat to finishing Corey Sandhagen in like a minute uh, is incredible. You know, beating Piotr Jan is a is a very tall task. Um, Dillashaw, Cejudo, like he has a great resume. And just because you get knocked out by Sean O'Malley, I think Sean O'Malley is one of the best strikers in the whole UFC. I mean, a lot of people were hesitant to give him credit. And now it seems like, you know, everybody loves Sean. You know, oh, my God, he's so, so incredible. It's like, yeah, he was pretty good. I mean, he was already pretty good before that. I have said since the day that it happened, I say this all the time, actually, that uh, O'Malley beat Jan, and I still believe that. And I do still believe that. And, you know, so no shame for Aljo getting knocked out by Sean O'Malley. Um, he was on an incredible win streak before that. And I think he deserves, a, you know, 12 spot is good for him in the pound for pound rankings, man. Yeah, absolutely. All right. My favorite fighter on the roster, Yuri at number 11. <laughs> um, before I keep going, I interviewed his head coach back in July of last year. Check it out. Uh, I believe it's tagged on the channel on YouTube, but uh, Martin Karivanov, look up the name and then you'll find it. But has uh, Toby, has anybody had a more exciting three fight run in the UFC than this dude? Like if this guy retired today, he'd be a legend. Because if that's all he wanted was the belt and he just retired, shoot, legend. Um, knocked out Volkan Uzdemir. Uh, then he he sent Dominic Reyes to, I think, a place not many people have ever been. Uh, I hope Dominic Reyes gets his feet back under him. And, you know, he, he fought in the greatest light heavyweight fight of all time against uh, Glover Teixeira, subbing Glover Teixeira with 30 seconds to spare. So for people that say this guy can't grapple, I'd be scared if our Alex Pereira, if I if you decide to go to the ground with me. Um he he I I could see this guy having multiple defenses at light heavyweight. Um I when when he came in, I'm like, this guy can be different. And and we'll see how he is with the shoulder injury, but man, he's so good. He's so good. Yeah, you know, uh, Dana keeps mentioning that it's the worst shoulder injury that he's ever seen in the history of the UFC, which does not sound good. So I hope he is fully recovered for this prayer fight because it seems like a really horrific injury, whatever happened. But yeah, man, look, we're talking about with prayer, you know, short pass to a title shot. I mean, I don't think anybody in history has had a shorter path to a title shot than uh, Yuri Prohoshka. This guy came in KO'd Ustamir, KO'd Reyes, boom, into a title shot. And guess what? I'm perfectly fine with it. In fact, I am very happy about that because <laughs> I, I think we're, we're considering, you know, pound for pound best fighters. Yes, we should look at guys' UFC records, but also we should look at the, what they did outside of the UFC if they did something that is um, notable, right? And Yuri Prohashka fought in Ryzen for a very long time. He fought good competition in there. You know, guys like King Mo, guys... Um, CB Dalloway. Know, CB Dalloway, you know, a couple of former UFC guys. And he destroyed most of them. I mean, he did get finished by King Mo, but I believe that fight was like the second fight of yeah, that night. That, that fight happened after he TKO'd uh, Vadim Nemkov by retirement yeah. after a 10-minute round. 
Yeah, exactly. So he's already fighting one of the toughest guys. I mean, Vadim Nemkov is an incredible fighter, beats him, and then has to go fight King Mo. And that's a tough, tough thing to do, right? But this guy had like 20, you know, 24, 25 wins outside of the UFC, like a 90 something percent finish rate. So that alone should get him, you know, a pretty high ranking, I would say. But yeah, becoming champion by subbing Glover Teixeira. And people out there may say like, oh, well, Glover was tired. It was near the end of the fight and Yuri just like grabbed it and it was a fluke, you know, whatever. No, it was not. He has good grappling. He showed that he has very good takedown defense against Glover. He can reverse positions off his bet. Yuri is one of the most underrated fighters off of his back in the entire UFC. This guy has a very dangerous submission game and a very dangerous uh ground game so yeah i he think almost he darsed glover off his back yeah exactly I... I think he deserves absolutely to be a number 11 uh in in the pound for pound ranking and you just look i mean what he did to uzdemir was a crime i mean what he did to dominic reyes if if uzdemir what he did was a crime then this guy should be put to death for what he did to dominic reyes because <laughs> it's disgusting frankly i'm disappointed no, I'm just kidding. But no, really, like some of the craziest knockouts in UFC history, back to back, and then subs one of the best uh, jujitsu players in the UFC to become champion. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Deserves it for sure. Yeah, that Dominic Reyes knockout might be the the most like. I think that's the one time I thought someone probably might be dead in the octagon because the way he landed I'm on his neck. Oh, dude, the way his like head just hits the ground, and then you see like blood come out of his face. You're like, oh my god! I mean, did you see um the Jesus. video? You know how you, I'm sure you've seen the Dan Hooker video, like after the Poirier fight. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the one for Reyes? No, <laughs> dude, it's bad. I'll I'll find it and I'll send it to you. But dude, it's so sad. Jeez, like like the like the life was taken out of him. I bet, man. And and then like you know he got knocked out by a jab against Ryan Spann. I hope he gets. Yeah. I think. I think he needs to retire. You. You don't. You don't come back after three brutal knockouts like that. Yeah, isn't it four? Hasn't he lost? Uh, he four? lost to Jones. Oh yeah, he didn't get knocked out by Jones. That's right. He, he got knocked out by Blahovich. Yeah. And Yuri, and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Span, damn. Dang, All right, man. Tough. Israel, the last style bender. Adesanya at number 10. Um, great champ. I think he got a little exposed in that Sean Strickland fight. That's why we have him at 10. Great champ, like we said. Um, but like I said, like if he and Yuri were to fight, I think Yuri decimates him. Um, with especially with the pressure and the power. Um, dang, that fight could have happened, but. I don't know. Izzy's good. He's a great fighter. Um, he could still get the belt again. I don't think his skill has really diminished that much or at all. So, and middleweights grace, uh, age gracefully, typically. So, we'll see. What, what What's your thoughts on Izzy at 10? Yeah, I think Izzy deserves to be at 10. You know, he was, what, like two, three, maybe even one at one point. I actually, I don't know if he was ever number one. I think he got to two. I think that, that was his yeah. highest. Yeah, he was definitely out there, you know, two, three, four for many years, and he deserved it, right? But, you know, he did lose to Sean Strickland, and I will agree, he did get exposed a little bit in that fight. And I think he really, it just showed me that he got stuck with uh, one game plan of, I'm going to jab, I'm going to leg kick, I might keep to the body a little bit, 
but I'm just going to keep my range circle out. I'm not going to put too much pressure. I'm going to make sure that you can't pressure me too much or try to. And then some guy, Sean Strickland just comes in and says, "Uh, actually, I'm just going to walk forward. I'm literally not, I'm not going to use footwork. I'm just going to take steps forward and I'm going to put so much pressure on you. And Izzy's like, oh my God, if only I could use knees or elbows or any other body shots or any other various weapons, which he can to stop pressure like since the beginning of fighting and mixed martial arts like one of the greatest ways to stop a guy pressuring you is land a knee in his gut or throw a couple of hooks to the body or throw an elbow cut him up get him off you adesanya did none of that he did not adapt well in that fight whatsoever so i think if he had lost to strickland like a close decision oh you know he could have won i think he should still be like five six seven but the way that he lost to Strickland, and I, he was a very dominant champion. I, I, I love Israel Asanya as a fighter. Um, great champion, very active. But the way that he lost to Strickland, I think 10 is pretty appropriate. I think he should have, you know, he deserved to slide a little bit in the pound-for-pound pound rankings. Yep, for sure. All right, number nine. I forget who did here. Ah, oh, yeah, Sugar Sean. Um, I think the UFC has him at like six or seven. Um, But he... We have Sean Strickland up here somewhere, and we put him over Sean O'Malley due to the fact that he uh, beat a more dominant champion in Adesanya than Aljamain. Um, but, I mean, that that right hand he uncorked on uh, Aljamain Sterling was beautiful, um, and I think that was a great stoppage by Mark Goddard. Um, Aljamain fenced up after one of the shots, um, but... Sugar Sean's the real deal. However, I do think Cheeto can beat him again. Um, Cause I mean, Cheeto has a chin on him. Oh uh, yeah, but I, I I'm curious. This is a fun fight, man. Uh, this is a fun fighter. Uh, he probably he'll probably fight Cheeto very soon. But I can't wait for this. This is gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah, man. I think I think Sugar definitely deserves a top ten spot in the pound for pound. I, I don't know about six. I think that's where the UFC has him. That that's a little bit high in my opinion. I get it. You know, we were just I was at least praising Aljamain Sterling for how good he was, and you know, O'Malley did knock him out. Um, but yeah, outside, you know, he beat Jan in a you know pretty close decision. Beat Sterling. I just don't think before that he hasn't really had any credible incredible wins outside of that so i think putting him at six is a little bit high i think nine is a better spot just because he's still in terms of his resume a little bit unproven but he's getting there you know having names like jan and Aljamain sterling on your resume is very very good and to be honest with you i think he does beat cheeto i think that o'malley is accurate enough and powerful enough to find and crack his chin i know that cheeto has is very durable has an incredible chin but there are many guys that have incredible chains that have been cracked before. I just think O'Malley, the accuracy is going to be too much. You know, he's going to hit Cheeto too much, and I just don't think he's going to be able to sustain it. So, but yeah, in terms of his skill set, I think he's a very underrated grappler. I think he's got really solid grappling. His takedown defense could obviously use some work, but in the Aljo fight, you know, Aljo had him against the cage. He had his leg up basically above his head, and uh, O'Malley was able to defend that. He shucked off a lot of takedowns in that fight. So we've seen steady improvements from this guy. We know how good his striking is. I think he deserves a top 10 spot. Absolutely. Number eight. Pantoja. Um, I know this is probably high for a lot of you guys. Um, 
but I think Toby can best explain the reasoning. Yeah, man. Pantoja is an incredible fighter. Um, you look at the flyweight division, not many fights get finished in flyweight, but Pantoja is one of those guys who finishes fights. You know, he goes out, he finished Alex Perez in like a minute and a half. He finished Brandon Royval by sub too. And Brandon Royval is a great submission artist in his own right. I mean, this guy, he's finishing top level flyweights. He goes out there and puts on, in my opinion, a pretty dominant performance over Brandon Moreno, who we have in our honorable mention list as, you know, one of the best pound for pound fighters out there. So I think Pantoja certainly deserves a spot up here. Anybody who had that fight for Moreno, it's interesting. You know, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what world you were living in, but I thought it was pretty clearly four rounds to one for Pantoja. This guy, I kept thinking, all right, and I was rooting for Moreno in that fight, but I kept thinking like, all right, this is the round Pantoja gets tired. All right, now this is the round. He never got tired. He His output is insane. He, he throws so much power behind all of his shots, and yet he does not get tired. I don't understand what this guy's training yep. regimen is, but he has basically infinite cardio and still throws at full power. His grappling is unbelievable i mean this he is one of the best grapplers in the whole ufc and his striking has been developing super rapidly i think eight is a perfect spot i know people might say like oh he's only he just became champion blah blah blah, whatever no pantoja is a beast that man deserves to be up there absolutely i'm not even gonna add anything to that you put it perfectly man all right here's the thing guys sean shucks at seven um he beat one of the more dominant champions in the past 10 years, I'd say. And it wasn't even close. Not remotely close. Do I think he defends his belt many times? Not really, to be quite frank. However, it's a perfect spot for him. He beat the champ with a one-two and a teep kick. Um, And, you know, if you look at he has a great resume, guys. You know, you could argue he beat Cannoneer. I, I do think, I do think he beat Cannoneer. Uh, what's his face? Nasruddin Imamov is no bum by any means. Um, you know, I'm, hold on, I'm looking up his uh, record real quick. Uh, uh, Abu, you know, and this guy takes any fight really. I mean, he didn't have to fight a boost, but he did. Um, you know. A loss to Pereira, that's so, you know, not a bad loss. He beat Jack or Manson dominantly, even though it says by split, that judge needs to be fired. Uh, Uriah Hall, he beat. Brendan Allen, that that win aged gracefully. Um, you know, he fought uh, Kamar Usman. He fought Santiago Ponzinibbio. He, you know, uh, Zaleski Dos Santos, he, he, he fought. And Jack Marshman, he beat Jack Marshman too. He's he's beat a lot of great guys, um, and he's the champ, and he dominated the champ. So that's why we got him at seven. Would you have anything out of that? Uh no, man. Um, Sean Strickland, another one of those guys like Drikus, where he is a weird style. Probably shouldn't work as well as it does, but it does. And he's you know very much into a you know high guard uh that philly shell type style you know pairing a lot of shots rolling with shots but it worked man like you said adesanya one of the more dominant champions in the ufc held his belt for several years defended it like five times before losing to Pereira. So, yeah i mean the way that he did it too like you said there wasn't really even a question i mean it was a clear 
four rounds to one, if not five rounds to zero for Sean Strickland. Um, yeah, beating Abus. Abus clearly not as good as everyone expected him to be, but it could just be that Sean Strickland destroyed him, and maybe he is pretty good, and Strickland just beat him up. So there is that. Imavov is a very good fighter. He beat him. I Like I said, I thought he beat Cannoneer. So if you really go through it like that, the dude, his only loss, in my opinion, and now I get it like on the record, sure, we'll say that, but uh, unofficially, his only loss, if it were up to me in the last like five years, would have been to Alex Pereira, who we have in the pound for pound ranking. So I think that, uh, yeah, Sean Strickland is deserving. I don't know if I, you know, maybe seven might be a little high for my liking, but I do think Sean Strickland certainly deserves to be uh, pretty high up in pound for pound rankings. Yeah. yeah look, at it. It, is, it does look a tad high, but, you know, we got Pantoja high as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's not a bad one. Man. I think it's a good. No, no. It's, it's reasonable. We have the best pound for pound ranking uh, in the world. Um, yeah. Number six, Kamara Usman, uh, another one of the most dominant champions of our lifetime, of our of our fandom. Um, you know, he only did beat three people in his uh, tile defenses: Colby, Jorge, and Gilbert Burns. Um, I just recently figured that out, actually. However, he was dominant in almost every one of those wins. And Colby Cumpton, yes, did give him a run for his money. However, he, I don't know. He was just dominant, man. And I think I think we'll we'll appreciate him more once he's out of the sport. Um, I don't think he'll be out of the sport much longer. Oh, I don't think he'll be in the sport too much longer. Uh, if he loses his next fight, I wouldn't be surprised if he uh leaves. It's rumored to be Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad. Um, but anyway, I'm not gonna get into Bilal Muhammad. Um, but. I don't know, man. What's your thoughts on Marty fake? What's on Marty in um at number six? Yeah, I know. I think he deserves it, man. I think, yes, he got finished by Leon, but he was winning that fight pretty easily. He was definitely up uh, three rounds to one, probably going to win four rounds to one. And he got finished, and then he got beat by Leon again. But look, Leon is one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world, as we will see shortly as well. And with Kamar Usman, man, we, you know, we talk about dominance. This guy won 15 straight fights in the UFC. Fit not, there was no, oh, you know, uh, draw, you know, whatever. 15 wins in a row. Not even a split decision in that entire time. Not one split decision. Domination. This guy was one fight away from breaking Anderson Silva's UFC record that has stood for many years of, uh, you know, longest consecutive win streak. And yes, he lost that, but... You look at the guy, like, people were always saying about Usman, oh, he doesn't finish anybody. Okay, he wins the title, dominates Tyron Woodley, like, absolutely he destroys would. him. And, uh, f- you know, five rounds to nothing, clearly, probably, I think it was like a 50-43. Then he finishes Colby, right? Goes to decision with Masvidal, kind of a weird fight. Then he destroys Gilbert Burns, drops him um, with a jab, finishes him. Then he, Gilbert Burns uh, always gets dropped with a jab. Yeah, yeah, he does. But <laughs> then he starches Masvidal, like one punch KO and then he uh, beats Colby. So, I mean, this guy turned into a bit of a finisher when he became champion, he was relatively active and his fights got much, much better when he became champion. So I think he deserves, uh, I know he's on a two fight losing streak, but really, you know, he's only lost to Leon and the, like that's literally the only guy he's ever lost to in the UFC. So, I mean, come on. Yeah. I think he deserves to be up pretty high. Yeah. 
Um, just for the record, the only reason I said uh, Marty Fake Newsman is because we were talking about Colby Covington prior, and then we were mentioning it in beforehand. But I respect Kamaru Usman. It's not that I don't respect him. I respect the hell out of him. I think he's a wonderful fighter. I, um, I Yeah, I think he's a great fighter, but he is a little bit of a goofball outside the cage. He's a bit corny, and I know it, he's from Nebraska. I'm not just saying he's corny because he's from Nebraska, but, man, this guy, he's not a great – you he's not good be, on the mic. He's not good on the mic. Yeah, he fumbles a little bit. My my favorite, there. one of my favorite clips of all time is when Ben Askren, uh, hey, Marty, what's up, man? Good to see you. And Kamar Usman like, kind of walks up to him and like looks down at him, like trying to look all big. And bet the expression on Ben Askren's face just did not change whatsoever. And he goes, yeah, you're Marty from Nebraska. We used to train together at the Olympic Training Institute. <laughs> yeah, man. I love Ben. What a guy. I, I wish we had prime Ben Askren in the UFC because I think he could have been dominant. Yeah, you know, honestly, and I know a lot of people have said this, but if that flying knee had never landed, that would have been Ben Askren ragdolling Masvidal for like 15 minutes, probably. Yeah, that's uh, that's someone like Askren's the last that I want to come across in the street because I can't, if he grabs a hold of me, I'm done. Yeah, he's a beast, man. All right. Charles Oliveira at number five. Uh, the only person he's lost to lately is Islam Mahachev, um, who's higher up in the rankings. Um, however, I do think Charles Oliveira is really, really good, and I think he could, he he can beat Mahachev. I really do think he can. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not, but he can beat him, and he's beaten everybody else except Mahachev in the past. What ten fights? How long his streak was? And that, that I'm. Toby knows this. I, I'm a I'm a I'm a Benil Dariush guy. I like I love me some Dariush. That was a beatdown. That was that was terrible. On I mean, that was a big beatdown. And that fight could have been stopped earlier. I think Herzog could have stepped in about five ten seconds earlier to stop that one. But Charles Oliver is that dude, Toby. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, yeah, he was on an eleven fight win streak before he ran into Islam Mahashev, and I think. I think we got to do Charles some justice here. Just, you know, people may say like, oh, he lost and whatever, whatever. Listen to some of these names and some of these finishes. All right. Submit it, Clay Guida. Submit it, Jim Miller. Knocked out Nick Lentz. Knocked out Jared Gordon. Submit it, Kevin Lee. Decision over Ferguson, which is like, you know, Tony Ferguson, very, very durable guy. Uh, at least at that point. Uh, knocked out Michael Chandler. Submit it, Dustin Poirier. Uh, submitted Justin Gage. I mean, we're talking, he's beating the best guys in the world and finishing every single one of them. This guy, his his championship run, in my humble opinion, might be the most exciting championship run in UFC history. And I know he only had uh, one title defense technically because the Gagey fight, you know, we had that weird issue with the scales. So technically he wasn't champion for that. But realistically, he won the belt against Chandler. He had two title defenses. We know how good Gaethje is, right? We know how good Poirier is, and he dismantled both those guys. And sure, he got dropped a couple of times, but he gets dropped in every single fight. It does not matter. And what's so impressive about the Daryush performance, like you mentioned, um, he didn't get dropped. It was just domination. He beat up Daryush. He hurt him bad. Charles, I don't know. This dude has crazy power. That's one of the most underrated things about Charles Oliveira that I don't think a lot of people mention. He has unbelievable power. The first 10 seconds of the fight with Justin Gaethje, he wobbled him. And Gaethje was like actually on skates immediately. And then um, 
there were a lot of shots that he landed on Dariush. I didn't even think we're landing that clean and we're hurting him badly. So this dude packs crazy power. Obviously, you don't even have to say, we know how good his jujitsu is. We know how technical this man is. Great champion, great fighter. Definitely deserves a top five spot in the pound for pound rankings. I don't, uh, Oliver does have power, but I think it's more technique. He he doesn't throw yeah. anything like winging or anything. He just knows where to put the shot and he, be, you know, he yeah, lands super precisely active. each time. Yeah. So yeah. I think it definitely is power for sure, but we got to give some credit on the technique too. He's crisp. Yeah, for sure. Uh, number four is Leon, Leon Edwards. Um, I will never forget where I was, where I was sitting, what time it was when he knocked out Kamara Usman. It's just one of those moments. I just remember screaming and yelling my friend's name. A word, and also a word that I cannot say on here because kids show. No, no, nothing racist or anything. Just, you know, kids show. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a potty word. Kids show, guys. But um, uh, And that, that Usman perform his performance against Usman in the second fight, uh, the third fight, rather, um, he looked great. And I think Usman was tentative. Uh, and I'm not taking anything away from Leon because Leon made him tentative. So, I don't, you know, we've only seen him fight a few times in the past few years, but, you know, he's fighting uh, Colby Covington coming up soon. Um, and we'll see how he does against a, a, a relentless wrestler like Colby Covington, a guy who looks for submissions, chains together takedowns. I am very intrigued for this fight against Colby Covington. Yeah, yeah, no, I think Leon definitely deserves to be up here. Um, he's on the, like an 11 or 12 fight unbeaten streak. Uh, even in the Bilal fight, I think it was pretty clear where that fight was headed. Um, obviously, you know, you can't say for sure, but he, he seemed to be doing pretty well. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if Bilal even shot many times, but he seemed like he probably could have held his own in the grappling. We saw that in the second fight. He was definitely able to defend a lot of takedowns from Kamar Usman. And something that I honestly didn't even realize he landed 74% of his significant strikes in the second Kamar Usman fight, 120 of 161. That is mind blowing. Like the level of accuracy and precision, like we were just talking about with Oliveira. I mean, Leon Edwards is an extremely precise striker, beautiful technique, you know, has beaten some of the best guys in the world and granted gone to decision. Most like the uh, cowboy fight, the um, RDA fight, you know, he's go to goes to decision quite a bit. But when you're on that long of a win streak and you're only uh, not even a setback, but, you know, blemish is just like Bilal is in no contest, but it was an eye poke. So, yeah, I mean, you got to we got to get a some fight. Credit he here. was well on his way to winning. Yeah. Yeah. So we definitely got to give him credit. He's the champ. He knocked out Usman the first time, uh, beat him pretty handily the second time. So I think definitely well deserved. And Usman at that point was like number two pound for pound or even number one. So. Actually, no, he was number one. He was definitely number one because I remember after the fight, Leon yeah, was, was like, there is no pound for pound. The belt belongs to nobody. Pound for pound, headshot, dead. Yeah, so come on, man. Beating number one pound for pound, you definitely got to be up there. Yeah. All right, number three, Islam Mahachev. The only person this guy's lost to lately is uh, the, uh, the co-number one pound for pound, Alexander Volkanovsky. Volk 235, can't tell me any differently. But um, – <laughs> Just for the record, guys, you could argue Islam won that fight, and I'm not going to be mad at you, okay? But Volk won that. Uh, but Islam Mahachev, man, this guy, he's been running through the rankings. 
Uh, you know, people say he didn't deserve the child shot against Charles Oliveira. Subbed him. Um, before that, he didn't really fight anybody. Uh, he had a tough time against what's his face, um, Armin Saruki a few years back. Um, he fought Tiago Moises, won that. Uh, Drew Dober won that. Yeah. Um, I think he subbed Drew Dober. Um, I'm pulling up his uh record right now, but yeah. TKO'd Bobby Green, sub Dan Hooker, sub Tiago Moises, sub Drew Dober. Yeah, man. He's really good. He is really good. And I think that, yes, he got knocked out by Martins, but that happens. He's really good, guys. And, you know, you see the Charlie train uh, going through on Twitter saying Charles Oliveira is going to win this. I think the same thing's going to happen in October. I think Mahachev subs him. But anyway, what's your thoughts on Islam being up at three? Yeah, but my my thoughts, you know, I hear a lot of people say, uh, you know, his resume isn't great. He hasn't fought a ton of good guys. I mean, I don't know, dude. Armin Sarukian is a very good fighter, and he beat him. And yes, Armin was a little bit less developed. That might have even been his debut, to be honest. But we know how good Armin is. He was still very good at that time. Drew Dober, great fighter, subbed him. Uh, you know, he finished Tiago Moises. He uh, finished Dan Hooker very quickly. And people were saying like, oh, Dan Hooker's washed. He's done. Dan Hooker's on a two-fight win streak, and he just beat Jalen Turner, who I think is one of the better fighters in the entire division, and he just beat him. And then he uh, knocked out or TKO'd Bobby Green super quick. So all these guys, these are good names, man. And I get people saying like, oh, he got a title shot off Bobby Green. Well, not really. He got a title shot because... He hadn't lost a fight in like like eight years, so you yeah, know. And who, who, um, Bobby Green replaced somebody. Yeah, it, it was supposed it was. to be um Daryush, was it? Let's, I'll, 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 I haven't pulled up. Hold on. Yeah, I believe he was going to fight Daryush, but man, either way, Mahashev, what he did to Oliveira, and we mentioned this earlier, but subbing Charles Oliveira is incredible in its own right, but dropping it was Daryush. Him, yeah, but like dropping him and then subbing him, like I said, guys don't, even when they drop and hurt Charles, they don't want to go in on the ground with him because they know how good he is. Islam had no fear. Immediate, he was on the wrong side for the arm triangle, jumped over with ease, and just within, as soon as his uh, thighs hit the mat, Oliver's tapping. It's like, man, I mean, this guy is so good. And yeah, I, you know, I get it. A lot of people thought Volkanovsky won the fight. Very close. Um, Volk dropped him at one point. It was a tough fight, man. But he showed his toughness. He showed that we, I mean, Volkanovsky, arguably the best pound for pound guy in the world right now. We know how good this guy is. And Mahashev went toe to toe with him in a super close battle. He had a pretty decent amount of control time in that fight. He hurt Volk. You know, he hurt Volk pretty bad in that fight, too. I mean, he didn't drop him, but Volk was definitely wobbled and almost dropped by Mahashev in that fight. Um, yeah, man. You know, it's a tough fight to score, but regardless of how you score it, there's no denying that Mahashev is one of the best uh, pound-for-pound fighters in the world. For sure. All right. 1B. 1B. Number 1B. What the hell? Why didn't it? <laughs> there we go. Volk. Um, we'll, we'll get in the reasoning between that he's 1B in a second, but... I mean, this guy has beaten everyone dominantly except Holloway. 
And the reason why I think is because he was woken up by USADA in the middle of the night to get a blood test. Kind of unfair. Um, but dominant otherwise as a champ. He, he survived an Ortega guillotine, mounted guillotine rather. I don't know how he got out of that. The lights were dimming, he said. And then he survived a, a, a triangle moments later. But outside of that, he's been so dominant as a champion. And he's so active as a champion, too. We're privileged to see this guy fight all the time. He's probably fighting Taporia next. I'm interested to see how Taporia rises to the challenge, but Volk's a good, Volk is a bad man. Yeah, Volkanovski, man, he is something special. You know, like skill for skill, technique for technique, he very well could be one of the few greatest fighters we've ever seen enter the, the octagon this guy he adapts so well in every fight he comes in with a perfect game plan for every single fight and even the most unique challenges like we've seen him take on a grappler and ortega and he's been in terrible spots with ortega you know he almost got finished with the guillotine the triangle was pretty close there was a darsh that was somewhat close got out of all of it came back destroyed him i mean absolutely dominated the rest of that fight max holloway probably the best featherweight champion at least at that point definitely the best featherweight champion well i don't know i mean all those up there too but regardless incredible champion he goes out there has a couple of fairly close fights and then just dominates him in their third matchup and that was after max had won two straight fights uh beautiful performance against cater beautiful performance against yair and volk still dominates him you know, goes out there against Yair. And a lot of people thought Yair would give him probably his toughest test because of the range, the striking. And I I, I thought so too. I mean, and he destroyed, it wasn't even close. I mean, that performance against Yair, I said earlier that um, Max versus Cater was the best performance. That performance by Volk against Yair very well could be the best performance that we've ever seen inside the octagon. And then before that, he had uh, the fight with Mahashev where he moves up a weight class against one of the best fighters in the world and goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with him and arguably wins. This guy absolutely is one of the one or two, you know, he's either one or two when it comes to power pound rankings in my mind. It's very, very close. But yeah, like I said, in terms of like skills and techniques and just what he does in the octagon, I think he's almost unparalleled, except for there's one man who could match him one man. In a, a much higher that, weight class and that man <laughs> is johnny bones uh here's why i got i i think we decided to put him at number one in my opinion it, until he loses he will never not be pound for pound number one years of domination he has more fights in the uf uh, uh, title fights in the ufc than habib has total fights oh for all you habib guys out there who think he's the goat stop now not even close A uh, aldo's higher so many people higher than Habib, in my opinion. But John Jones, I mean, he comes back after three years, moving up in weight class. He's never fought him before and subs a former interim champ in two minutes. Now, I know Gon's grappling isn't great, but if you saw Gon against Sergei Pavlovich, I, I think that made John Jones' win look a whole lot better. A whole lot better. John Jones can beat you anywhere. He can beat you at your own game. There's nothing he can't do great. And he's fighting Stipe and at MSG in July. Uh, headlining over Prohaska and Pereira. Can't wait for that. I think John Jones 
I hope I'm right, and I hope I'm not just speaking into the, speaking this out of existence. But I think John Jones will beat Stipe and retire, and no one will ever touch how great he is. John Jones is so great, no one can ever match his greatness, in my opinion, ever. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think you make a good case for John being number one. I mean, if you just look at the longevity of his of his career, like you mentioned, I mean, more time. This guy's been in title fights since 2011. You know, he's. He was beating the era of fighters of the Shoguns and the Rampages and Lyoto Machida and all these guys that are of a whole different era. And then the new guys were coming in. You know, Gustafson, Glover was uh, sort of new to the UFC back then. DC, you know, and then even another class of guys, um, Anthony Smith, Tiago Santos, Dominic Ray. He beat all of them, every single one of them. There are some fights that were closer than others, but... There was never a question who the greatest was. He is the greatest of all time. You know, I get the, he popped a couple of times, uh, you know, very small amounts of uh, steroid usage, to be fair, has a lot of issues outside of the octagon. But when he steps into that cage, man, there is nobody better than John Jones. So I, I def, I agree. I agree. The performance against gone total domination wasn't even close. He was quick, uh, explosive at heavyweight, you know, the gut, you know, had a little gut. I'm not going to lie, had a little gut, but it was fine. Uh, still looked incredible in there. And I don't – look, man, I have all the respect in the world for Stipe. I love Stipe. Great guy. One of the Stiopic. best – One of the best human beings probably on the roster. Incredible guy. Great fighter. Firefighter. I don't, I don't get what people are seeing in this matchup, right? I see Stipe – I think John Jones opened at like minus 450 or something. He's down to like minus 350. I'm like, man – why is all this money pouring in on Stipe? Why are I see so many people like Stipe is going to present this problem? Da, da, da. I see John Jones doing whatever he wants to Stipe. I don't think it's going to be a close fight. If John Jones wants to take him down and finish him by rear naked choke, he's going to do that. If John Jones wants to stand around on the feet and pick him apart for five rounds, he's going to do that. If John Jones wants to spinning back elbow him, he's going to do that. Okay. I don't think this fight is even close. I have no clue what people like, like I said, all respect in the world to Stipe. This guy has been out for over two and a half years. In the last fight that he had, he got brutally knocked out by Francis Ngannou. Why are people so confident for some, like, obviously John Jones still is a big favorite, but there seems to be within the MMA community, a lot of positive sentiment around uh, Stipe and his chances against Jones. I don't see it, man. John Jones yeah. is the GOAT. John Jones is the number one pound for yeah. pound fighter. And don't get me wrong. I love Stipe. I love <laughs> Stipe. <laughs> but <laughs> I I think I think Stipe's hand speed could come into effect here. Um, that's where I could see Stipe winning this fight, just outboxing him. But Jones is going to stay at kicking range. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, Jones will stay pound for pound number one, retire pound for pound number one. And retire as the greatest to ever fight. You know, I, I just think too, even in the Gone fight that Jones just had, we saw Gone, he threw, he, he's very fast. Sirohan is a super quick, explosive guy. He threw one left hand. The way that John Jones was like, whoop, slipped off to the side and ducked in on that double leg was beautiful. I almost cussed there, but I did not. Was beautiful, man. It was a absolutely gorgeous performance by John Jones. I think that if Stipe starts landing with the hands, Jones is going to – he's either going to creatively strike with him, like like I said, throw a spinning back elbow, throw knees, throw something that's going to change the pace of the fight, 
or you know start throwing some teeps. I don't know, whatever. Or he's going to shoot for a takedown. Regardless, John Jones, and this is why I talk about this a lot, but this is why John Jones and Volkanovski are the number one and number two power for pound guys. Adaptability. No matter what happens in their fights, it does not matter how it's going. They will adapt. They will improvise. They will find a way to win that fight no matter what john jones that's why i'll always have confidence in these two guys because i know that no matter what is going on in that fight they are a step ahead they will figure something out that their opponent cannot yeah all right speaking of the joneses do you see the videos like about chandler jones and stuff no no like like he was you know uh, i don't know he he's not mentally in the right place i don't think like he um he had like a video on twitter or instagram where he was saying like Aaron Hernandez wasn't didn't commit suicide in prison and stuff like that, and I'm Jeez. and like he started like bawling in the video. I'm like, damn man. The Jones yeah. family has uh, some, you know, they've got some issues, man. Yeah. Someone said, "Where's John and all this?" I'm like, "Is John really the guy you want to call in this situation?" Like, uh, probably not. Oh, I, I'm not so going sad. to prayers John up. Jones yeah. for mental health advice. Yeah. For sure. Prayers to Chandler Jones, man. That's it. it it's that's horrible. I mean, yeah. well, these football players go through like later in their career and after the career is pretty sad sometimes. But yes. uh, no, no buts. Um, not much news going on, really. I mean, Gary, Ian Gary versus Vicente Luque's and uh, Kelvin Gaslam and uh, Sean Brady are the two fights this week that have popped out to me that have been made. Oh, uh, I, fights, think, yeah. I think Carol Rosa and Arena Aldana are fighting in December. So, you know, some decent fights made. But outside of that, I don't, I can't think of much, bro. Yeah, no, I can't either. Uh, I'm going to MMA fighting real quick. Um, uh, Cain Velasquez's uh, murder trial is expected to uh, – attempted murder trial, rather. Expected to start in January. <sighs> You know, if some dude's dealing with kids, man, I don't. You you don't deserve anything. I I'm, I don't blame Kane for doing what he did. Yeah, I mean, I know he'll probably get found guilty, but he's gonna be he's gonna nothing bad's gonna happen to that dude in prison. Um, and Ganu uh is training with Mike Tyson, and I don't think it looks that pretty. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the technique is ever really going to be there for Ngani when it comes to boxing. But, man, that power, that is the great equalizer. So, we'll see. One hitter quitter. The one hitter quitter. Hold on. I need to see if we talked about this on the last episode. Um, No, we didn't. Um, Tony Ferguson will fight Patty Pimblett at 296. Uh, the fight we've all been asking for. Dana, Dana, please. We've. You want Tony to fight Patty Pimblett, please? I hope. Here's the thing. Tony still has power, right? Yeah. I... Patty Pimblett sticks out that chin. Yep. I hope Tony knocks him down and hits him with a classic Darce and retires and dro- rides off into the night. I hope so, too. But, man, the last two fights that Tony's had have been so sad to watch because – He's so slow. He he has no explosiveness less. Like, yeah, he still packs a little power. And they say that the last thing to go is the power, right? When you're, especially in boxing, like these, you see um these George Foreman type guys who are like 50 years old and they have no technique left, basically. No head movement, no footwork, but he still has incredible power. And Tony still has pretty good power. You know, he dropped Chandler. He uh, dropped Bobby Green. 
But at the same time, man, he has like 10% of his speed left, like 10% of his explosiveness, 10% of that footwork. You know, like I, I saw a video of him. You know, he does that signature knee slide before uh, every fight, like when he's getting an announced. He couldn't even do it in the last one because like his knees are just shot, man. He, he is. Couldn't do, he couldn't do it in the DS fight. The thing yeah. I looked for in the green fight was if he could do it. And he did do it in the green fight. I was like, oh, oh. okay, so yeah, in the DS one. CSGO, CSO, CSO. Yeah, yeah. Not not a uh, strike. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think Tony is too shot at this point. I really hope he does win because I am not a fan of Patty Pimblett. No. I hate the guy. I think he's one of the most overrated fighters to ever come into the UFC. He's not good. So like, yeah, he's got good grappling. Don't get me wrong, but man, that guy has abysmal striking. And even his grappling is really just very offensive. So yeah, I hope Tony wins, but I don't know, man. It's he's Tony shot. time, man. It's Tony time. You know, he's on, he's Tony on a time. six fight losing streak. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, and I don't think we talked about this one. Uh, Steven Thompson versus Shavkat Rachmanov is official. Yeah, that's a tough matchup for old Wonder Boy. I mean, tough 17 for both finishes. Guys, to be honest, but... 17 finishes, yeah. 17 fights is nothing to slouch at. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, incredible. If, if Rachmanov takes him down, I think it could be lights out bro yeah it's gonna be pretty ugly i feel like and you know i think a lot of people they're like oh well if it stays on the feet well first of all stephen thompson has never had good takedown defense his takedown defense kind of sucks so if shotgun wants to take it to the ground he probably will take it to the ground second of all i don't know why people have this belief that like oh dude there's no way shotgun could stand with him do you guys remember when Tyron Woodley stood and banged with Stephen Thompson and hurt him so badly that Stephen Thompson's face was like mid fight, just like uh, couldn't even move it. Yeah. I remember that. Okay. And Tyron Woodley is not, he an inc- he's not an incredible striker by any means. So I'm not saying that Thompson is a bad striker. I'm just saying that there are certain styles that he does not handle well. And I think that Shavkat presents a style that he will not handle well. And Shavkat's not a bad striker. He stood with Jeff Neal, who is a phenomenal striker, a beast on the feet. Powerful. And he and he hurt him very badly. And then that that choke finish where he just stood behind him, wrapped him up, and then kicked his leg around him and pulled back like this. That was like a grown man with a little boy, just like, oh here, come here. <laughs> so dude, Shavkat is legit. He is a beast, and this is a very tough matchup for Stephen Thompson. Shavkat should win this fight. Yeah, Shavkat no should doubt win. in my I, I think I think Shavkat's a future dominant champion. That's I how too. I see him. I think he's and, better than Hamzat, to be honest. Yeah, I think he beat Hamzat pretty convincingly. I think he would beat um, him, yeah. Th- I think Shavkat proved everything we needed to know about him in that Jeff Neal fight. He proved he's tough. He can yeah. fight through adversity. Uh, he can win rounds after being, you know, damaged pretty badly. And yeah. he won, and he can come in in the clutch and finish the fight in the third round after a tough, tough battle. That's one of the top five fights of the year. That's that's a that was a great fight, incredible fight. We we learned everything we need to learn about Shavkat Rachmanov in that fight. So, yeah, I, I agree. Very excited. I am so excited for this fight. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. Man, and Jeff Neal, Jeff Neal cracked him with a huge uh, two-punch combination. And Shavkat stumbled a little bit and then just acted like nothing happened. I mean, he didn't go 
down. It wasn't like, you know, when Hamzat got dropped by Gilbert Burns, I mean, that he was pretty hurt. And he did recover quickly, but man, Shavkat didn't even go down. This guy has a granite chin, and his head is like two human heads put together. He has one of the <laughs> biggest heads in pound for pound, biggest head in UFC history, Shavkat Rachmanov. So no, I, I think that or might Cejudo. go to Stipe, bro. That might go to Stipe, or Stipe bro. Or Stipe, that dude yeah. has a noggin. I I, I look at the pic. I know I have a pretty big head. Toby can yeah. attest this. I have a pretty big head. I look at I look at the picture of me and Stipe. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my head is like almost as big as like his head looks just huge compared to mine. But here's the thing with Rachmanov on the feet that I think he beats Thompson out in elbows and knees. He was piecing Jeff Neal up with knees to the body that whole fight. And then no, Thompson Thompson might go down and Rachmanov's just gonna take advantage of that neck. It's but I think if Thompson can find a way to just stay at range, it could be an interesting fight. But Rachmanov is He's so he's good. legit. He's legit. He's legit. All right, Toby, we've been recording for almost an hour and a half. Um, yeah, I that... think it's time we head off. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably upload this on tomorrow because you know there's no fights. We got to give the people something for fight night for fight day. But anyway, stay saucy, everyone. We'll see you guys soon. Peace.